We're going to be in Romans tonight, so if you're not familiar with the Bible, uh, Romans is towards the end. Um, it's before Revelation, but it's after Psalms, so just go for it. Um, now, some of you were here about a month ago for uh, a talk that Ted gave out of Romans 5. There's going to be some similarities, and one of the great things about having kind of a a set of scriptures that we're going through is that there is kind of this, in some ways there's repetition, and hopefully God is just going to use that to, to teach us something that's really important and profound, that there's the similarities that you may hear in these lessons hopefully will be something that is, is important for us to get right now. Um, so with that, um, we're going to read Romans 8, 5 through 11. And um, up on the screen, uh, I've got a version that's called the Century English Bible. I haven't ever used that version before, but it had, you know, one of the concepts that is in these verses is the idea of um, the flesh or the sinful nature. If you've read through Romans before, you might have read that if you've used the NIV or something like that. Um, There we go. Um, And so... there's some need of explanation as to what you're talking about if you're talking about these words, flesh and simple nature. And so um, this translation uses self or selfishness. And so, um, anyway, that's an interesting one. So let's read uh, Romans 8, 5 through 11. People whose lives are based on selfishness, that is the simple nature of flesh, think about selfish things, that is what the nature, that nature desires. But people whose lives are based on the Spirit think about things that are related to the Spirit. The attitude that comes from selfishness leads to death, but the attitude that comes from the Spirit leads to life and peace. So, the attitude that comes from selfishness is hostile to God. It doesn't submit to God's law, because it can't. People who are self-centered aren't able to please God. But you aren't self-centered. Instead, you are in the Spirit. If, in fact, God's Spirit lives in you, if anyone doesn't have the Spirit of Christ, they don't belong to him. If Christ is in you, the Spirit is your life because of God's righteousness. But the body is dead because of sin. If the Spirit of the one who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you, the one who raised Christ from the dead will give life to your human bodies also through his Spirit that lives in you. Let's pray once again. Father, as we have read these words, uh, we ask that you would breathe uh, life into us uh, from this time of conversation and study, and um, that you would speak to us in Jesus' name. So, um, if, if I were to show, go ahead and show that next slide. Okay, so does anybody recognize this symbol? Can you tell me what it is? The yin yang symbol. Yes, and anybody ideas of what it means or what it stands for? Balance, yeah. Um, any other thoughts? That's, that's a good one. Um, yeah, so kind of in ancient Chinese philosophy, culture, Taoism, this is a symbol that kind of says the whole universe is based out of this whole idea of balance, um, where there's um, these two sides that are in everything. And now, what often happens when, when Western culture has then taken an idea from Eastern culture, we kind of fill it with our own meaning, that's kind of what we want it to do. And so, like, words like karma are really popular uh, in our country, even though they don't have 
a truly close tie with what it would mean if you were in traditional Hindu society. But we throw around the idea of, you know, oh, that's bad karma. And, and it's, you know, it's interesting what a true Hindu person like responds to what that is. But I've run across a lot of people that see this sign and say, hey, this has a moral dimension that's really true. Um, there's good and there's evil. And even in, in the goods, there's, there's a little bit of evil. It's kind of like you acknowledge the fact that, hey, I do something good, but you know, my motives might not be that good for it. You know, I might treat you nice, but what I'm really hoping for is that you know, you'll treat me nice. You scratch, I scratch your back, you scratch my kind of thing. And then the idea that even in the darkest spot, in the darkest soul, there's still some glimpse of good. You know, that's like the, the dark Vader factor, you know. Will he ever turn from the dark side and, and turn on the emperor and throw him into the deep abyss of whatever that was? Um, <laughs> and so uh, culturally, there is this, I, I think that, that we can relate to this. And so I've seen this symbol. I saw this once in a, we rented a community center in Canada for the church we were in. And plaster on the floor was this huge yin yang symbol. And I thought, well, that's kind of interesting. But um, this idea that there is good and evil. They're all mixed together, and even in even in good, there's evil. Um, I think is a common one. There's some. I think there's some commonality that we can we can relate to in our human experience. Um, when when we read in other chapters in the Book of Romans, uh, Paul writes some things that are pretty interesting in, in correlation to this. In chapter seven, uh, he says, "We know that the law is spiritual," and he's talking about the the Old Testament uh, law that. And a lot of people that were reading this in Rome were Jewish Christians, so they were Jews that had become Christians, so they're very familiar with the law and trying to follow the law. He says, but I'm unspiritual, sold as a slave to sin. I do not understand what I do, for what I want to do, I do not do, but what I hate, I do. And then he goes on uh, a few verses later, so I find this law at work. Although I want to do good, evil is right there with me. For in my inner being I delight in God's law, but I see another law at work in me, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin and work within me. What a wretched man I am! Who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death? Now we're going to get to that here in just a minute. Uh, you can leave that one up there. But uh, if you go back to verse 21, look at that. So I find this law at work. He's talking about a new law, a different a new way that, that humans can relate to. Although I want to do good, evil is right there with me. You know, I, you know, I don't want to say yin yang is in the Bible, but that's the, you know, that, that's interesting that he would say that. Although I want to do good, evil is right there with me. And so I, the question for us tonight is this whole idea of we live life and uh, there is we know what is good and what is evil for the most part. And yet we always find ourselves failing to do what we, we really want to do. And even when we, when, we, uh, when we try that, we know that even my motives are, you know, are corrupt, are broken. And we see that seeping in. And, and the question is, is that the whole story? Is that the end of the story? Are we, are we forever stuck in this kind of um, broken place where we're always doing the things we don't want to do? Now, in one sense, it's kind of innocent to say, hey, we all live in kind of the yin-yang moral universe where it's natural to do some good and have some bad, kind of mix them together. And yet, um, the way that Paul goes on to talk about this life that's trapped in this sort of back and forth between good and evil, 
he says, no, it's not, it's not really just, he doesn't obviously use yin and yang. He talks about it as the law of sin and death, which is a much more negative sounding uh, you know, statement than uh, there's the balance between good and evil. So go ahead and flip over, uh, Chris. Romans 8, 6 through 8. This is the NIV this time. Um, the mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the spirit is life and peace. The mind governed by the flesh is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Those are who, who are in the realm of the flesh cannot please God. In other words, if, if we're operating in this mode of existence where we're always trying to do what's good, but we're always failing to do what's good, um, we're operating in, in an existence where we, we cannot please God in that way. The, if that's all that we have access to, it's not just a mediocre existence of a little bit of good and a little bit of bad. It's a road that ends up leading to death. Um, that's operating under our own power, under our own impulses, under what we think is the best thing to do. And it can't please God. It, it, it ultimately, it's something that has been divorced from being able to, to follow God's will. And so, what is the answer to this problem? Uh, Paul said at the, at the end of, of Romans 7, what a wretched person I am. You know, who's going to rescue me, me from this situation that I'm in where I can't get out? I never can do what I want to do. Um, and that's where Romans 8, 1 and 2 comes in. You can see we're bouncing around, but hopefully we're going somewhere that makes sense here. He says, therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because through Christ Jesus... The law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. So this, this is powerful. Um, he's saying, look, this thing that we're trapped in, this life where you know, we recognize there, there to be good and evil, and yet we just, we just see in ourselves this corruption that we can't get over, we can't get away from. Uh, we do the best we can, and it's still messed up, you know. Um, he says that's not the end of the story. Jesus has come, and what he's done is he took all of that messed up brokenness on himself, and he took it to the cross, and it was nailed to the cross, and it was defeated there, and it died with him as he died on the cross. Now, that's great news, but what's even better is what we're going to celebrate in two weeks, the fact that Yes, he died, but if that was what happened, it would be like death still won in the end because he took all that on him and he just died. And yet, God said, no, that's not the end of the story. He rose from the dead and now he has life. And so the hope for us is not only are we set free from that, but God is raising up within us this new life, this new way to live. And what he's saying in Romans 8 is that new way to live is called life in the spirit. And it's powerful and it's dynamic and it's beautiful. And it's different from this wrestling of always doing what we don't want to do. It's different from that because it's, a, it's being empowered by God to live the way that God wants us to live. Now, part of me just wanted to get to that point today and just really hammer home on it. Just to say, like, the reality for us is that we're living in the Spirit for all of us who have the Spirit of Christ. And yet... What I wrestled with this week is my own experience is that I feel that I, I feel sometimes if, if Chris you want to pop up the next two slide uh, the next slide um, 
sorry for that weird graphic. <laughs> go ahead and go to the next one. Okay, so there's yin yang, and then I couldn't find a good symbol for what life in the spirit looks like. I just went for it. Uh, <laughs> it's like a fiery phoenix sort of uh, thing going on. Um, but if, if we're comparing the two, there's life in the spirit, and then life in the, that's, that's still bound by the sinful nature. Honestly, I still feel so often like my life reflects this left side, this left symbol where I, you know, I'm doing some good, but I still feel the corruption within me. And a lot of times I'm doing a lot of things that I know are not good, and I don't, and I don't seem to be able to stop doing that. And so I want to, at the same time, I've tasted of the life and the spirit. And, I, and I'm here to say it's great. Like, I've, I've been empowered by God in ways that have, have been freeing. And, like, it just is like a refreshing drink of water. And it's so good. And so I've tasted and seen that, that his way is good. But I still find myself sometimes feeling like, am I not just trapped still in that system, in that broken system where I do what I don't want to do? So that's the predicament I faced this week as I was as I was studying this. What is true of our lives? Are we really trapped and, and always doing the things we don't want to do, or are we set free by the Spirit to live in this new life? And as I wrestled with that, I felt like God showed me a few things um, that helped me reconcile these two feelings. Um, now, one illustration of, of how I how I often feel is. If, Chris, if you pop up the next one, I feel like sometimes if uh, if I'm going to work and I have a job, it's almost like uh, I walk in and I've got this old computer that is corrupt, it is full of viruses. I've been using it forever, and it's like it's so bad that if I send you something, it corrupts your computer. You know, it's it's really bad. It makes noises inside, like it sounds like it's gonna break, it's gonna blow up on me, and I'm gonna be consumed in this computer flame, and, um, and that's what I've been used to using to, to try to get the job done. Now, I've been given access in the same office to the, the best new uh, whatever you like. If it's MacBook Pro, it's MacBook Pro. If it's something else, it's a PC, it's a PC. We won't battle over that tonight. <laughs> but, um, you know, you have whatever that favorite computer is, it's right there for you. And some, you've just wandered over and you've just kind of fumbled around with it before and it's done just amazing work that, you know, it's so much better than what the old thing did and you didn't even know what you're doing. You still don't really know how to operate the thing, but you can just press a button in it and it just does things that's much more impressive than what you could ever do on this old computer. And then you get an assignment and you, and you go in and you sit down and you find, oh wait, I'm still at this old computer. Why am I trying to get this done on this old thing? Why don't I go over and, and play around with the new thing, even though I don't know what I'm doing? And so I often find myself just saying, God, why am I even stuck in this room with this old computer? Why don't you throw it out with the trash and just, you know, destroy it, incinerate it? Why, why can't I just have access to the new? Why is the old still in the room? And because I feel like I keep, by habit, going back to the old, and I don't just go and, and enjoy my access to the new. That's the feeling that I feel often as my life as a Christian. I have access to something new and beautiful and powerful, but I keep going back to the old. Now, when we read Romans, he doesn't necessarily paint that sort of picture, but that's our life. What he says very blatantly is, your new life, who you are, is over here. 
This is your identity. You are a new MacBook Pro user, and that's who you are. Your identity is no longer over here. You're not using the old dilapidated computer. You are new. That's your identity. Okay? And so in reconciling what he blatantly says is true about me with my experience of having a, a choice of both of these lives, what he said, and he took me back to a metaphor of the kingdom of God being a seed that's planted, and that seed starts small. And what it does is it grows within us. It grows into new life. And so whenever we see the good news that Jesus has come to set us free, and we accept that, and we begin to experience that new life in the Spirit, I believe it's really kind of like that organic picture where it, it sets root within us and it starts to grow ever so slowly. And, and eventually it's blended. Fruit is being born and it's coming alive and it's spilling over into other people and it's beautiful and it's exciting, but it, it starts more as a seed than as a, than as a full tree. And so I, I believe that we can cultivate that, that kingdom, that spirit life within us so that we're operating in that more and more and more. But I believe that it is a process. It is our identity. This is our, our destiny, is to be raised to life where this is all that we are. This, that's our future. But at the present, we still have a body that is corrupted by that old self, and it hasn't been thrown away with the trash. It is still there, and that's why we still experience this wrestling of going back and forth between the two. So there's three um, parties that I feel like help us forward in this new journey with the Spirit. Not the type of party that, that Chris went to this weekend. Um, this would be uh, three entities, three parties that are at work in, in doing this. Um, the first is God. God is always previous, um, one writer says. God begins the work in us. He calls us to himself. Jesus is the one that, that sets us free so that we can live in this new life in the spirit sort of way. And, you know, as Romans 8 keeps going, it just kind of builds steam. And he starts talking about ways that the Spirit brings us life and shows us who we are in Christ. And then he says, one of the things the Spirit does is he says, you are sons and daughters of God. And when the Spirit of God comes to live inside you, it's, it, it kind of cries out to, to the Father. It says, it yearns for the Father. It says, Abba, Father. And Abba is that word that if you've been in church for a while, you know, it's like, the, it's like saying daddy or it's like saying dad. It's, it's this intimate connection between the child and the father. And, and that's the way the spirit inside of us just responds to God and says, that's who you are. You are a child of God. That's your identity. And, and the spirit testifies to that. And I think one of the things that God does in this relationship as he's growing us into this new life in the spirit is that he keeps telling us who we are over and over again. He keeps reminding us of the truth. And sometimes, you know, we think of him saving us at a specific point in our life and we experience that salvation. I think that's true, but I also think he keeps saving us. He keeps taking us to new places day after day after day, week after week, year after year. And that, that gives me a lot of hope. Sometimes when I'm tempted to doubt, um, is this whole spirit life, is it real or is it just wishful thinking? Is it, um, you know, is it just people that have gotten, you know, a few things together 
um, or you know, it, is it for real? I, I look at people that I've met that have been transformed by God, and I cannot give any other explanation for it. It's not some self-help book they read. They didn't hear some great sermon and just snap. It changed. There's been transformations in people's lives that I've seen that are that powerful that it had to be something outside of ourselves that did. There's a friend that I knew that when I met him, he was he was drug addicted. He was in a conversation with him was just uh, it was so frustrating because it wasn't a conversation. It was just one side, and it was just kind of it didn't make sense. And you're just like, what's the matter? <laughs> and and his life was just a mess. And then God got a hold of him. And slowly but surely, and sometimes very quickly, uh, he changes started to happen in his life. And, and if he would have taken where I met him, and then two years later, the person that uh, had been transformed by the work and the power of God, two totally different people. One guy is drug addicted. The next guy is leading ministries in recovery for other addicts. One guy has never talked to God in, in 20 years. The next guy, he's, he's leading prayer ministries. One guy, you know, when he talks about God in the church, he, you know, he's cursing constantly. The other guy, when he goes out to meet people, he feels compelled to tell them about what God has done in his life. And, and I think about that transformation, I think only, only God could do something like that. So I hold on to the fact, that gives me hope, uh, and then I think about what God has done in my life, and that gives me hope that, yeah, this spirit life is for real. The transformation is for real. And, um, and that is, is powerful for me. I'll go ahead and move on. The, the second party at work in us experiencing this life in the Spirit is ourselves. We, I, I think that we, we play the role of accepting that this is true of us. We accept what, what Jesus has done for us. Initially, uh, you know, we, we're offered the chance. We, we're stuck in this place where, um, you know, we're in this brokenness that we can't get out of. We're trying to figure life out. We don't know what what to do. We can't. We keep. We recognize that there's brokenness within us, and we just feel stuck, like like Paul did in Romans seven. And he says, "Who, who is there that can help me?" Well, Jesus is the one that can help you out of that place. And if you haven't gotten to that place where you've said, "Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna give this a try with you, Jesus. I'm gonna." I'm going to surrender my way of doing things, and I'm going to let you do it. Uh, I'd like to, to give this relationship with you a shot. Um, what it looks like is it looks like surrendering who you are and your way of figuring out life to him and saying, I, I, want, I want to go with your way. I want to follow you. And that can begin, uh, you know, if that's where you are, that can begin tonight. You know, that can begin with... Um, responding to him tonight, and and if that's what you want to do, if you're ready for that kind of decision, then, then come and talk to me or talk to somebody you're close to and say, hey, um, I've been trying to do this on my own for long enough, and I'm ready to give this time with Jesus a shot. Um, some of us are people that have have been in a relationship with Jesus for many years. We were baptized into Him, uh, and, and we've walked with Him for many years, and um, the choice for us is to say, I believe what you say about me more than what I sometimes feel about me. Sometimes I feel like all I am is this broken mess that keeps kind of going back and forth between the spirit life and, and the life uh, of selfishness, the life that makes choices based on 
sinful desires. Um, but the truth is, I'm a child of God. I'm a son or daughter of God. I've been set free by God. And he keeps speaking that into my life. And my choice each day is to believe it and to accept it and to say, I, once again, I'm going to surrender my way of doing things to you. Because I keep trying to take it back and it's not going very well. So I'm going to surrender to you today. And so tonight is, is a night of, once again, surrendering and saying, you know, thank you. I, I'm not getting the job done. I'm, I'm giving it back to you. And, and walking with you and, and saying, I want to go deeper in that. So that's a response we can make. And, and it does take us um, doing that, I think. And not God's not just going to force his way uh, into our lives and force us forward. I think he wants to walk with us forward. And then the third party, the last party uh, that's involved in this growth and life in the spirit is the church. Now the church, 99% of the time, God uses the church to share the good news. He uses somebody, some person that is his, his child, his ambassador, to go and tell people that this is out there for them, that it's available for them. And then he uses the church, when we do decide, hey, to say, I, I want to join Christ in this. I want to, I want to go, I want to do that ceremony of baptism where I'm, I'm dunked underwater and brought that up to life and that, I want to join Jesus in that and join the church. And the church does that. The church baptizes us into Christ and brings us back up and, and we're now part of the church. Um, you don't see a lot of people just jumping in the water themselves and baptizing themselves. I, people might do that, but I don't know that it makes a lot of sense. The church is the, the agent that walks with us into that new relationship with Jesus and, and it brings us up. And then what's really key, and I think something for us tonight that we can latch on to, and hopefully in the weeks ahead, is that I think what God wants to do, one of the things he wants to discuss to do is to speak truth to each other and to each other's lives, to remind each other that we are children of God, that we are forgiven, that we've been set free, that we matter, that, that he's given each of us gifts that, that play a role in the body. And, and so what I mean by that is I think the Spirit of God wants, will, will prompt us to go and speak a word of encouragement to each other. That I can go over to Logan tonight and I feel, uh, you know, somehow God compelling me to go and just say, just remind him that he is loved by God, that he is a son of God, that is who he is. And despite whatever his week may have been like, uh, I mean, I'm just picking out the crowd, but that is who you are. You are a son of God, and that, that is your identity. Anything like that, you know, the ch- as a church, we speak that truth into each other's lives. And that identity in, who, in him transforms us. When we know who we are, when we know what our identity is, that changes everything else. That changes the way that we live. If we don't know our identity, it feels like we're just like out to sea and just in a storm. But when we know who we are, that, that does change everything. And so, what I'd like for us to do is um, practice the idea of listening to God and saying, "God, is there, you know, is there anything? Is there some truth that you want me to be reminded of tonight? Is there somebody here that I can encourage with some with some 
bit of your truth for them, something that can encourage their identity, that they are they are loved, that they are important, that they are forgiven, that they're set free, something. And then, you know, as we feel compelled by God to go and then share that with somebody. And I know that that might sound kind of crazy or scary sometimes to either go talk to people or feel like the Spirit is moving you to talk to somebody. But I just encourage you just, just to go for it, you know. You, we're never going to figure out how to use this new way of life if we just kind of sit to the side and never try it. And so um, I, I encourage you to explore uh, listening to God and just, and just acting when you feel like He wants to, you to go and encourage each other. And specifically tonight, in, in speaking truth to each other. Sometimes He calls us to speak challenge into each other's lives and and, but I think tonight it's more of a night of just reminding each other of who we are in Him. And so uh, we're going to sing some songs that I think will connect with this theme. And we'll continue from there. Church, would you stand with us as we worship and celebrate our freedom in Christ?